0: This is Sight in Africa. Welcome to episode six of this series from the LSE Philzlargie Centre for Africa. My name is Sierra Muir Willoughby. The first step is always the hardest. Many seasoned professors will remember their trepidation while navigating the process of getting their academic work published for the first time. This is called peer review, the process through which scholars evaluate the quality of work produced by other scholars. In this episode of in Africa, we'll be providing practical advice for young academics who may now be starting out on that journey. We will share tips from leading journal editors and scholars on how to identify the most appropriate journal for your work. We also examine the underlying incentives that shape the academics' choices about where they publish and present their work. But before we get into the heart of our discussion, it is worth looking at why journals wield so much power in higher education. Let's hear from Mejiba Frehiwat, Research Fellow at the University of Ghana.
1: I've been at Legon for two and a half years now. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a lot of pressure to publish for, for promotion. And of course, there's this concept of publishing in the right journals, you know, publishing journals over book chapters. Book chapters are, mm-hmm. like, important, but, like, not really important when it comes to, to, to promotion. So there's a lot of that pressure to publish in these, quote unquote, international journals, which, unfortunately, is, are often off, outside of the African continent.
0: As Majiba outlines, publishing can determine the trajectory of your career. Academic journals are not read by members of the public or even policymakers, but they are important because they function as places that check and validate your research. However, the intense competition of getting into these journals can make it challenging for young researchers, as Mejiba Frehiwat explains
1: so you 're in a situation where you 're pu- publishing something on the African continent, but you have to publish it like in the u s or the u k and it becomes more one problematic. Um, but then also there 's a lot of competition to get into those journals and then honestly there 's some level of bias I think in some of these journals i 've heard you know my colleagues say, "Oh well, you know I submitted this article to Journal X, and they came back, they, they came back and said, "Oh you haven 't you know cited this, that, and the next person and then of course, you look on the editorial board, and those people are on the editorial board of the journal. Mm-hmm. So there's just all of this kind of politics about citations and, and you know actually publishing journals and like publishing in international journals. although your local journals may be as competitive and as rigorous like we have our journal here, the contemporary Journal of African Studies. It's as rigorous as, as any other international journal, but it doesn't obviously carry as much weight in the next two years or a year. Well, I want to start like a book project, mm-hmm. but that takes like forever. And so I do definitely want to like be promoted um, because we have like a, that's like, you know, because if you get fired because you don't get promoted, then you're in trouble.
0: Medjiba Frehe was of the University of Ghana describing some of the challenges of submitting to academic journals. Let's now delve into the peer review process. How does it actually work? Citing Africa researcher and LSE assistant Professor Laura Mann provides some
2: insight. Well, the first step is to identify the right journal, and you can only really send your work to one journal at a time. So you've got to choose which journal pretty carefully. Second, you've got to read the submission guidelines on the website. Make sure that your piece is under the word limit. They're not messing around with those word limits. Uh, And also try and use the format that the journal requires. So once you're kind of doing everything they ask you to do on the website, you submit your piece along with a short cover letter and you just wait for the good or bad news. So third, the editor of the journal usually reads the piece before, it sends, before he or she sends it out for peer review, just to check that it matches the general purview of the journal, that it's under that word count and that it matches, the format matches. If it meets all of these requirements, then he or she is going to send it out to some anonymous reviewers. So these are other scholars who either have worked on the theme or the topic, or they've worked in that particular geographical area. So maybe they send them out to two, three, or four, depending on which journal you submit to. So sometimes the editor can tell right away that the piece is not suitable. Maybe your journal is the journal of modern African studies and your piece is about Mongolian camel milk production in which case you know the the reviewer the editor will say this is not at all suitable Um, or even it might be something that's kind of close but maybe the journal has received too many submissions that are similar to it or it's you know, behind with the schedule and it's focusing on particular topics. So don't be too discouraged if your journal doesn't get sent out for review. This is a kind of normal thing that can happen. And it's better to find out quickly that the journal isn't going to publish you than to uh, wait a long time to find out that decision. So in that case, brush yourself off and try again with another journal pretty quickly. If it does go out for review, for peer review, You usually have to wait a couple months to receive feedback from these reviewers. And when you do, the journal is going to get back to you with a number of different responses. So first of all, it can give you a rejection, um, which is basically that reviewers felt the piece either had serious weaknesses or it did not really match the key missions of the journal. So although the editor will read it through initially, Maybe on closer inspection it doesn't quite match, and it only comes out at that stage of peer review. Uh, the second thing that can you can receive is called revise and resubmit with major revisions. So here the reviewers felt that the piece had some very strong ideas or some good research behind it, but it also had some serious problems or weaknesses that you need to address before it can be published. So this is probably the most common response that you can receive so in no way despair if you receive a major revisions or tough comments everybody receives tough comments Uh, what's a little less common is a revise and resubmit with minor revisions so in this case, the reviewers felt the piece was very strong, but it could still do with some sort of minor adjustments or revisions to improve it further. So if you receive this, you should be really proud of yourself because it's it's much more rare. What almost never happens is an unconditional acceptance. None of the people we interviewed for this podcast had received such a response. I certainly haven't. Um, so, you know, keep dreaming for that response. Uh, so step four is revision time. So you're usually given a few months to revise your piece, also to write a cover letter outlining in very careful detail how you've addressed each piece of feedback or criticism. Or alternatively, if you don't want to do some kind, if you don't want to respond to some kind of uh, feedback or criticism, you have to justify why not, and you should definitely do that politely. So then once you submit the piece with this letter, it then goes back out to the reviewers and you have to wait a couple more months either for them to review your changes and see if they're acceptable or if they don't respond to send it to further reviewers to see if you've responded to the criticism.
0: So there you have it, the key steps of peer review. Our focus in this episode, though, is how a young academic can choose the right journal for their work. Given what Laura has said about the long timeframes involved, it is crucially important that you pick the right journal from the start. Treat this decision very carefully. Spend time investigating the different options out there before you send something off. Take your time, as this is a really important decision. Let's hear from some journal editors now who have given some practical advice to navigate these steps. We'll start with Tom Odiambo, Professor of Literature at the University of Nairobi and editor of the Journal of Eastern African Literary and Cultural Studies, who has some basic advice on how to select the right journal for your work.
3: I mean, this is kind of standard practice that look for journals that are within your uh, area of, or field of study, and it's, it's it's very easy to click. I mean, previously you had to go to the library, speak to the librarian. Nowadays you just click. And there are some journals that are quite specific. You can't send us this type of material. But there are also journals that are that that are willing to experiment. So one thing is for. Um, a young scholar to be safe is if you're studying literature of, 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 of uh, let's say, West African literature, you will most likely find the Journal of African Cultural Literary and Cultural Studies willing to have a look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, often it's it's wise to actually also write an editor mm-hmm. and say, I know that nowadays is online submission. Mm-hmm. You can write an editor and say, could I send you this? Mm-hmm. And editors often respond and say, okay,
0: let's see. That was Tom O'Diambo, editor of the Journal of Eastern African Literary and Cultural Studies. Another tip in identifying a journal to publish your work, according to my in Africa colleague Tin El Elkadi, is to think about the audience of a journal.
4: Before sending your work somewhere, you should be asking yourself, which groups of peers do I want to validate my work? And who is best placed to give me further advice? And... Although it's a bit tactical to speak in these terms, you should ask yourself which venues will help my career progress. It is important to strike a balance between ambition and realism. Early career researchers may have lots of very interesting empirical material, but they are usually less experienced writers and probably have less knowledge on the wider literature. And so it is hard to immediately publish in the top journals. Think about using the peer review process as a way of building yourself up, bit by bit, until you publish in the best journals in your field.
0: Thanks, Tim. It is also important to figure out the history and place of each journal within a discipline, narrowing your list down to those journals that your piece perfectly matches in tone and interest. Some journals, like the Review of African Political Economy, may also have a political agenda in their case, pushing for a more radical analysis of political economy on the continent, while others, like world development, have a much more mainstream view. Match your peace with these subtleties. Keith Breckenridge, history professor at Witts University and editor of the Journal of African History, told us that before he submits to a journal, he tries to read everything that the journal has published in relation to his topic, even going as far back as the 70s. Then in the letter accompanying his submission, he then explains how his piece will build on how the journal has already covered this theme or topic. This certainly seems to work for him because he says that he has published in a broader range of journals than anyone else he knows. Here's another tip from Tim, culled from her conversation with journal editors around the world. This time, she explains how much importance young scholars should give to impact factors.
4: Some journals are just harder to publish in than others. Don't send a casual piece to a tough journal or vice versa. Don't send your best piece to a weak journal. One way in which young scholars can better understand the relative standards of the journals is to look at the impact factor. So an impact factor is a measure that is supposed to capture the yearly average number of citations to recent articles published in that journal. If a journal's publication gets cited a lot, then the journal will have a high impact factor. Departments may also have their own lists of preferred journals, so also pay attention to this when choosing your journal. However, impact factors and ranking system can be problematic because the system reinforces mainstream views within that community, maintaining current paradigms and potentially suppressing new ideas. In a field like African Studies, this tendency can be problematic because of the low representation of African-based scholars on the review boards of the top international journals, and the fact that some African-based journals are not linked up to these indices.
0: While ambition in targeting a journal with a high impact factor may work well in some cases. There is an alternative path, as Gabriel Botchway, political science professor at the University of Education Winneba in Ghana says.
3: I think that you have to learn you know, to publish with the journals immediately around you. For example, in your own university, your own faculty, uh, you, you do some, some research, and if you can get a senior you know, colleague to work with you, to give you some guidance, and then you publish together in the local journal, And then you can scale up uh, into maybe a national one and then maybe an international one.
2: So
0: start local before going international. That's the tip from Professor Botchwe. This was echoed by other Africa-based scholars with whom we spoke. At the same time, don't sell yourself short if you have a strong piece or interesting new empirical material. Professor Botchwe also talked about co-authoring with senior colleagues as a route to getting published in a journal with a high impact factor. Many scholars are divided about the value of co-authored papers. In some disciplines like anthropology, a scholar's reputation is built on single-authored papers. Despite that, co-authoring is certainly a good way of getting your foot on the publishing ladder. Sadly, some young academics have been caught in the trap of predatory journals. Professor Kwesi Obiri Danso, Vice-Chancellor of Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology, explains the attraction of these journals.
5: You know, these publish or perish attitude. So people want their journals to be publish, uh, their, their manuscript to be published as soon as possible. And, you know, some of these prodigious journals, maybe maximum one week is published, all right, instead of waiting, if you want to publish in a good journal, instead of waiting, sometimes can drag up even up to two years.
0: Professor Obiri Danso. These journals even charge scholars significant amounts of money to get their material published. Let's hear the experience of a research fellow at the University of Ghana, who tells us about a mistake she made in choosing journals as a junior scholar and the lessons she has learned.
6: I am Grace Ntimadasi, a Presbyterian minister and a research fellow of the Institute of African Studies at the University of Ghana. I have published in that journal and um, when I was a junior scholar, just after my PhD in 2013, I think I rushed into publication and um, I published in one journal um, and I joined the University last year. So when I joined the University of Ghana, then um, during the orientation, I realized that there are some pediatric journals. So I realized that some of my publications, though quality information, I have published in the wrong journals and as such I'm now very aggressive trying to um, look out for the journals that are not Mm predatory, the journals that the University of Ghana will accept. Later I I, I look at the the paper and I saw that there wasn't any editing work. I, I saw some mistakes. That's probably if they really had gone through and had an editor, the editor should have cautioned me to do a correction. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the shortfalls that I have realized. That I have realized that mm-hmm. they will say is a they, they they have indicated you go to the internet and it's a peer review journal, mm-hmm. but honestly, I don't think they mm-hmm. really edited mm-hmm. my work. Mm-hmm. And also, they took money, two hundred dollars each, mm-hmm. and it comes very raw. Yeah. It sounds very well. They, they only send you information to be particular about the information you want them to publish about you, your name and things, but they never bring you reviewers' comments.
0: Thanks to Dr. Adasi for her honesty and in helping to raise awareness among our younger listeners about the need for vigilance. Universities across the continent are already finding ways of tackling this menace, as Caroline Kihato visiting professor at the University of Johannesburg, explains.
6: We have a list of what we call accredited um, journals these are journals that are accredited by our Department of Education and have have displayed a rigor in you know sort of the peer review process in scientific knowledge and research in uh, and have a, you know mm-hmm. that are well established mm-hmm. some are local mm-hmm. um, in fact a lot of them are local locally South African but also there are a lot of international mm-hmm. um, journals that are part of the, the list and, and so when we're trying to train students or when we're trying to tell, you know, get students to move along their career path, we, we suggest that they, they publish at least in these well accredited journals.
0: Professor Kihatu there. And a similar process has also been put in place at the University of Ghana Lagon and Kwame Nkrumah University. As raised earlier in this episode by Mejibra Frehiwat of the University of Ghana, it is also worth analysing the underlying incentives that shape the decision-making of scholars about where to publish and present their work. Lindsay Whitfield, the editor of African Affairs and associate professor at Roscoe University, admits that submitting her work to an Africa-based journal with a lower impact factor is not really an option for her. She may do it once or twice, if it is part of a bigger project, like a special issue, or if a project she's working on wants to make a point, or if they desire to reach a special audience with a particular paper. Outside of that situation, submitting to an Africa-based journal is not seen as counting for very much in the European and US ranking systems. This is because most academics in the Global North are under pressure to be promoted. It is also important if you want to get a job at another institution, the first thing a prospective employer will do is look at what you have published and where. Lindsay told our researchers that she has been on enough committees to hire people and other related things to know that. That's just the reality. According to Wando Achebe, editor of the Journal of West African History and professor at Michigan State University, things are not much different in the United
7: States. It really sort of depends on where you are in terms of your career, what kind of university you are in. You know, as much as Depending on what kind of institution you're you're in, take the U.S. for instance. Are you in a research one institution, right? Research intensive institution. If you are, there are certain requirements, right, that you have in order to gain tenure, and one of those requirements has everything to do with the kind of avenues in which you publish. So where are you publishing your journal articles? Are these ranked journals? Are these university presses? If you are in um, you know, a department that, is, that has a book culture, for instance, in history, we have a book culture. And so anyone that is in a research one institution in the US knows that in order to be promoted from assistant to associate professor in a history department in the US, you have to have published a book.
0: That was Professor Achebe. But is it a similar story for universities in African countries? Atia Apusiga, co-founder and editor of the Ghana Journal of Development Studies and Dean of Education at the University of Development Studies in Ghana, says no.
6: The whole question of impact factor, that hasn't really mattered to me. Um, starting as a young academic, uh, two thousand and two. I just wanted where my work could be read by students, by ordinary people, could make meaning for people and not um, the quality and rating of the journal. But I guess that that cannot be anymore because that's that's a huge factor now. So I wanted to publish in spaces where many more people could read my work.
0: However, it looks like this may be changing, as Professor Kwesi Obiri Danso, Vice-Chancellor of Kwame Nkoma University of Science and Technology, explains.
5: For instance, if you are appointed a lecturer uh, when you have done your PhD, it will take you about four years to be able to submit for promotion to a senior lecturer. And uh, those with certain conditions, you must have your, your research should have had community impact, you must have a number of uh, journals, we must have published uh, a number of papers and in good journals as well. So it takes time. But surprisingly, as we raise the bar, people are also catching up. We are doing well, better than before, uh, so that they can
2: be promoted.
0: Professor Obiri Danso there. Let's get some more advice from citing Africa researcher Laura Mann.
2: Many academics, both within African countries, but also in the UK, or the US or other kind of rich economies, are trapped in these infrastructures of performance measurement and these career incentives that force them to maintain the status quo. So for early career researchers who want to get permanent jobs at good institutions, the only advice that we can kind of sensibly give is to try and publish in the best highest ranked journals that you can because this is obviously going to be really good for your career Um, and you're simply not in a position to do anything else but we also want to close the episode by acknowledging that this very practical advice serves to reinforce the colonial structures that have been built up around things like the prestige of certain journals, impact factors and the kind of career advancement structures that we all have to contend with So we hope that as junior scholars proceed in their careers and they get a little less vulnerable to these kinds of pressures from the job market or from hiring and promotion committees, they're going to decide to take these kind of small but bold steps to decide to make other kinds of decisions about where to submit their work.
0: Thanks very much to Laura Mann. We hope that you have found some of the tips in this episode of Sighting Africa useful. Identifying the right journal for your work will definitely improve the peer review process. But as Tom Odiambo said, just keep clicking. Use the internet to find out everything you need to know about the journals within your discipline. Avoid predatory journals. Make use of the approved lists of journals provided by your department. If you have any other tips or ideas to share on the topic, tell us via Twitter using the hashtag Sight in Africa. Thanks to all our contributors who so generously shared their insights and experience for this discussion. In the next episode, we'll discuss how scholars can deal with feedback and criticism from reviewers. I'm Sierra Mirulabi. Thank you for listening to Sight in Africa. Site in Africa was funded by the LSE Knowledge Exchange and Impact Fund, the LSE Department of International Development, and the Review of African Political Economy Journal.